talking about labels today. And sometimes we need labels. <laughs> labels help us know what something is or isn't. I love this Instagram post. My life has a label maker and I'm dead. Labels the baby and the dog. Sometimes labels can be pretty important. What would we do without these labels? The warning label on a baby stroller, remove child before folding. <laughs> Why is advice on a dishwasher? Do not allow children to play in the dishwasher. You know they came up with these labels because it actually must have happened at some point. On a brass fishing hook, harmful if swallowed. That is some great advice. Warning label on a box of rat poison. Warning has been found to cause cancer in laboratory mice. <laughs> and finally, a hanger that says, caution, do not swallow. How would you even attempt to swallow a hanger? We do need labels to help make sense of our world. So labels kind of give us a shared language of how to understand what something is and isn't. Some of the labels we choose and some of the ones we're just given. I am a husband, I am a son, I'm a brother, I'm a pastor, I'm a kind of a nerd. I like uh, science fiction and Star Wars movies. Um, what labels do you have? What labels have you been given? What things have people called you throughout your life? Um, we're given labels based on the color of our skin, which we cannot choose. Labels based on where we uh, were born. I was born in Little Rock, Arkansas. I tell people that. Sometimes they label me a redneck just because I'm from Arkansas. Um, we're given labels. <laughs> What'd you say? I said Tala because I was the same Are you really? Oh, we're Oklahoma. We're neighbors, yeah. Redneck neighbors, right? Uh, we're given labels based on our sexuality and our gender. Uh, we label others based on things like what kinds of shoes and clothes do they wear? What kind of car do they drive? What kind of house do they live in? What neighborhood do they live in? Based on those things, we'll label them. Well, they must be poor, they must be rich, they must be middle class, they must be wealthy. And so often, how we treat people is determined by the labels that we give them. The labels that we carry determines often how we are treated. In 2015, December 2nd, there was a mass shooting in San Bernardino, California. And there was a U.S. data scientist by the name of Seth Stevens Davidowitz, and he explored Google searches and what our Google searches tell us about ourselves. And on December 2nd, when this shooting happened, he noticed something interesting about the Google searches. He said that evening, minutes after the media first reported one of the shooter's Muslim-sounding names, the top Google search in California with the word Muslims in it at the time was kill Muslims. And overall, Americans searched for the phrase kill Muslims with about the same frequency that they've searched for martini recipe and migraine symptoms. In the days following the attack, for every American concerned with Islamophobia, another was searching for kill Muslims. One person with the label Muslim did something awful. What do we do? We take that and we apply. Everyone else who has that label must be like them. The labels we give people determine often how we treat people. 
A few weeks ago, my alma mater, my high school that I went to, Kickapoo in Springfield, kids hung signs in the lunchroom, no hate, no fear, everyone is welcome here. And that week, they were commemorate, commemorating um, the LGBTQ community, raising awareness for bullying the LGBTQ community in the school. One day during lunch, one of the kids took that sign and crumpled it up, and he slam dunked it into that crowd of 600 high schoolers. Many in that room cheered and applauded the destruction of that sign. This past week, at Kickapoo High School where I went, a student video in the locker room, a video that went viral, and he said in that video that black people should stay out of our locker room, that you should be lynched. I thought younger kids were a lot more open and accepting than when I was in high school. They said, we should lynch you, and it's a privilege for you as a black person to be in our school. The video went viral. Those kids were taught that the people who carry the label LGBTQ, the label of black, should be treated a certain way. I don't know who taught them that. That they see somebody with that label, so this is the way that we need to treat them. Labels can be dangerous. Labels can be very dangerous. And all cultures throughout the world, throughout history, have used labels to kind of organize society. And it was no different in the first century world of Jesus in Palestine. The Jewish world then was organized by labels. You had your, the Jewish people, who if you were a Jewish people, you were special people who were right with God. And everyone else was, had the label of Gentile, the non-Jew. You were not right with God. You do not associate with Gentiles. Anyone who had um, any kind of affliction or sickness or skin uh, deformity or lesion, moles, anything like that. They were um, unclean. They were impure. They were given that label. And so one of the labels that we see in the biblical story is called Samaritan. Samaritan were people who were given that label who lived in the area of Samaria, just north of uh, Jerusalem. Jews hated Samaritans. Samaritans hated Jews. They were different uh, politically and religiously and racially Samaritans were a mixed race and so Jewish people considered them half-breeds they were the muggles of the Jewish world in the first century do we have any Harry Potter <laughs> yes, okay. so they did not like each other at all they stayed far away from one another and so we see these stories in the Gospels in John, a Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me some water to drink. The Samaritan woman asked, why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Because Jews and Samaritans did not associate with each other. In Luke, Jesus was uh, to be taken up into heaven. He determined to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of him, and along the way, the messengers entered a Samaritan village to prepare for Jesus' arrival. Samaritan villagers refused to welcome him because he was determined to go to Jerusalem. So Jewish people believed that God would send the Messiah to make the world right, and it would happen in Jerusalem. 
Samaritans believed God would send this Messiah to make the world right. It happened at a Mount Gerizim in Samaria. Two different places. And they were so angry at each other. You're wrong, I'm right. Both sides saying the same thing. So Samaritans, villagers, saw these people coming. Jesus was coming from into Jerusalem. They thought, we don't want anything to do with these people. So the disciples, James and John, saw this. They said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and consume them? Have you ever thought of a person or a political group or a religious group that you thought, I would love to just call down fire from heaven and consume them. I can't take them anymore. That's exactly what the disciples were saying. Jesus turned and spoke sternly to them, kind of put them in their place. Right after this, the next chapter of Luke, a religious scholar is hearing Jesus, and he stands up and he asks a question to Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? And Jesus answered, what's written in God's law? He answers the question. What's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? And the religious scholar said, you should love the Lord your God with all of your passion and prayer and all of your muscle and all of your intelligence, and that you should love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, good answer. Do this and you'll live. And the religious scholar looked for a loophole in the argument. And he said, well, how would you define neighbor? And Jesus answered by telling a story. He said, there was once a man that was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the way, he was attacked by robbers. And they took his clothes and they beat him up. And they went off and they left him half dead. But there was a priest, luckily... He was on his way down the same road, and he saw him, and so he angled across the road to avoid him. I can't tell you how many times in my life I have gone on the other side of the road and seen somebody who was uh, homeless asking for money. I did the same thing this priest did. Jesus said, then there was a Levite religious man, a high up in the Jewish world of religion, showed up, and he also avoided the injured man. Kept walking. And then a Samaritan was traveling the road, came on him, and when he saw uh, the guy's condition, his heart went out to him, and he had compassion. So he gave the person first aid and bandaged his wounds, and he put him on his, his donkey, and he led him to an inn, and he made him comfortable there, and he stayed the night with him, taking care of him. The next morning, he gave the innkeeper some silver coins and said, this should last you a while for him to stay here and recover. If it's not enough, Put it on my tab, and I'll pay you back. This guy can stay here as long as it takes to get well. And then, Jesus asked the religious scholar, what do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The scholar said, the one who treated him kindly. Jesus said, go and do the same. And I was taught growing up with a story and I need to be like the Samaritan. If I see someone in need on the ground, on the street, I need to go help them. I need to go take care of them. And yes, that's exactly what Jesus is saying, but he's saying something so much deeper. He's telling this religious scholar that the person that you label as your enemy, that person is just as capable of love and mercy and compassion as you are. That person is just as close to God, if not closer to God, than you are. That person you disagree with politically, 
and religiously. A person you would never want to have dinner with. That person is more like you than you think, Jesus is saying. Stop labeling them as enemies. That is a much deeper message than just help someone in need. Don't just help someone in need. Help the person who hurt you. Love the person who hurt you. Change the labels that they're using. Take the person you disagree with, the person you have nothing to do with, and slap this label on neighbor, friend, just like me just as capable of love and compassion. Soren Kierkegaard, the great philosopher, said, once you label me, you negate me. Once we stick a label on someone, that's all we see. The person behind the label is a complex collection of fear and hurt and experiences and family and relationships and all of those things that make us who we are, they go away when we slap the label on. All we see is that label that we've given them. Once we start doing that, once we start labeling people, we just start labeling everything. It's hard to stop. This is uh, Patton Oswalt. He's one of my favorite comedians. He said, politically speaking, very much on the left, and there's a guy by the name of uh, Michael Beatty. He uh, got home from a two-week hospital stay in Alabama from complications with sepsis and diabetes. And he's a Vietnam vet who survives a retirement check, paycheck to paycheck. And he got home to this Twitter feed of Patton Oswalt. And he just got so pissed. And he just started riling up all these insults to Patton Oswalt. And Pat Oswalt looked into Michael Beatty's uh, feed and, and saw a GoFundMe page, realized his condition. And he said, oh man, this dude just attacked me on Twitter and I joked back, but then I looked at his timeline, he's in a lot of trouble health-wise. He's been dealt some terrible cards. Let's deal him some good ones. Click and donate, just like I'm about to. Oswalt contributed to his GoFundMe page, which was trying to raise $5,000 for his benefit. And he raised almost $40,000. Michael Beatty said, Pat, you have humbled me to the point where I can barely compose my words. You caused me to take pause, reflect on how harmful words from my mouth could result in such an outpouring. Thank you for this, and I'll pass this on to my cousin who also needs help. The cascade. He realized this person. Patton Oswalt, who is my enemy, I could not disagree with more, is capable of showing me compassion and love and kindness. I gotta change my label. He is more than this label I've given. Great expression of Christ. This comedian has given us. It's so easy to see a behavior and define a person by that behavior. Guys, you are not what you do. You are more than the choices you make. You are more than your behavior. You are more than the hurt that you caused. You are more than the hurt that has been done to you. 
So often we label someone by their behavior. They are an athlete. They are a performer. They are a liar. Maybe it's easier to do that. Every time someone treats us badly, it's easy to take that as evidence that they're a bad person. Is it possible they're not a bad person? They're a good person who just happened to do something that wasn't good. We all do that. Psychologists have studied this. Um, they found, uh, wanted to know that how that affects our stress levels, how we label and define people. And so they asked the question in some studies that were found in the 2014 issue of uh, Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. And they did this study with high schoolers. And they realized that with these high schoolers, the ones that had uh, a view of personality that could change, that someone's personality can change. They realized at the end of their school career, they had less stress, they had better grades than the kids who believed personality didn't change. They realized when we have a fluid view of personality, this person is not stuck that way. This person can change. It affects our overall levels of stress in all of our life. It's easy to get stuck with this person is a certain way and they cannot change. Having that um, outright rejection of that person just causes our whole body to tense, to stress. It affects our overall performance in our job and our relationships. Is it possible that people can change? I think so. If I'm not willing to know someone beyond the label I give them, I have no right to speak about them. Unless I'm willing to dive in to who they are behind the label I've given them. Why do they think that way? What experiences and hurts have they gone through to make them think or act the way they're doing? If I'm not willing to dive in and figure that out, I have no right to talk about them. How would our social media look different if we all did that? How would our politics look different if we all did that? It'd be more like Patton Oswalt. When somebody shows a behavior that is mean, that is hurtful, ask the question, what are they going through? What kind of hurt are they experiencing to make them act that way? And I want to heal that hurt so then they won't have to react with anger, frustration, meanness. Be more like Patton, be more like Jesus. Galatians 3, Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. We are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. Gosh, that was radical. There are no labels. There is no male and female. There is no Christian and non-Christian. There is no uh, Republican and Democrat. There is one label now. That label is Christ. And under that label, we're all on equal terms. 
There is no hierarchy. There is no better or worse. There is no that person is bad and that person is good. In Christ, we're all equal. So what would happen if we treated people that way? We treated our community that way. We treated the person in the checkout aisle at Safeway that way. This person deserves so much love, so much respect, regardless of what I know about them. Just because they're made in the image of God, they are sacred. They are good. They are holy. Just because they are human. But treat them with respect and with kindness. That's how you love your neighbor as yourself. It means when you look in the mirror, the person that you see deserves respect and kindness and love because of who you are. The divine in you. Maybe I need, when I look in the mirror, I need to love myself a little more, a little better. Our new label is Christ. Get rid of the old labels. Stop labeling people. Stop labeling ourselves. All there is is Christ. What is Christ? John tells us that Christ, God, is love. No more labels, only love. I'm going to show you all this video of these two girls who help me see how this can play out in the world. Let me turn the volume up. Children. In fact, the moms say they already have. 
same soul. We're all the same. My enemy is my brother. My enemy is my sister. My enemy is my mother and my father. It's hard to live the way of Jesus because it's hard to do that. It is hard to see the person who hurt you as like me. You hurt me, but we are the same. And what it means to be a radically inclusive community, it means that if, if the person, the, the Muslim shooter from San Bernardino, if he walked into this church, he would be loved and welcomed. Because our enemy is our brother. And that person deserves peace, and healing for whatever hurt that's been done to him to make him angry. We will be that community. And that's going to be hard. It's going to be very hard. Because it's hard to live the way of Jesus. And if it's not hard, you're not doing it right. <laughs> it's hard to love sometimes. That's who we will be. And I'm glad that you all Spread the love that way. That's, that's how God's kingdom comes to this world. Being a Christian doesn't mean we get to escape this place and go to heaven and die. Being a Christian means we are partners with God in restoring this world to how it should be, how God intended it to be. And it starts here, it starts when we go out the doors, every person you come in contact with, kids, family bosses and co-workers restore restore people restore this community and restore this world but before we partake in communion I want us to uh, have a moment of, of quiet there aren't a lot of spaces in our world where we really have moments of quiet and stillness I want this to be a moment um, so I want us to find our feet on the ground Notice, notice our breath. So often I forget that I'm even breathing. And when I pay attention, I realize I'm not sometimes. Your body doesn't need help to breathe. Just let it breathe. That Hebrew word for breath is the same word for spirit, spirit of God. So notice our breath. Sometimes it helps to close your eyes. Sometimes it helps to open them. Quiet our mind. Picture in your mind the labels 
that you wear that define you, the labels that you've been given. Things people have called you, things people have said about you. And in your heart, say, I am more than. I am more than my mistakes. I am more than my decisions and choices, more than my behavior, more than what people say of me. I am more than the hurt that I have caused. I am more than the hurt that has been done to me. You are more than. Thanks for joining us online at Mission Gathering. Hope to see you this Sunday at 1030 at Blakely Hall. Have a great week.